Joshua. Joshua. Okay, let's pray for Joshua. And I will, everybody's going to want to hear this, all you loudmouths talking. But um, um, what, that's right. Um, Joshua, this is a, a friend of Yvonne and Tim's, and he fell out of a deer stand. And I'm, I'm assuming that it hurt his body, broke seven ribs. Okay. So we need to pray for Joshua. Let me tell you something. Um, I noticed, y'all don't want to hear this. I noticed um, you know, as I studied healing, and I studied tons of healing things, when we were, I don't, probably, maybe, you'll remember in here, some of you who've been here with me the entire time, that I said I felt like the Lord, we, we talked about divine healing, and I said I felt like the Lord's going to start using our church in divine healing, and God's going to raise up people who understand healing, and so I began to study, I read everything from old stuff to new stuff, to Pentecostal stuff, to anti-Pentecostal stuff, because every Every stream, every denominational stream has healing except for Baptist, and those are the cessationists. I'm sorry if you were raised Baptist. I was raised Baptist. It's the dumbest doctrine the Baptists have. It really is. It really is. The dumbest doctrine that Baptists have is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. Now, um, what I, I said all that to say this. What we have seen moving in the church and what I have seen through my studies of healing is that God will begin, when a healing ministry starts to flourish in an area, God will move in the area of healing for specific things. And some people have, are gifted in certain specific healing ministries. Like some people are really good at seeing blindness cured. Some people are really good at seeing, um, at seeing you know, ears cured. I mean, it's, it's, it really, this is how all the things that I studied, this is what it, it showed. That's why you'll notice the gifts of the Spirit. It says gifts of healing. All of the others are singular. The gift of interpretation, the gift of tongues, the gift of. But healing is gifts of healing because certain people can be gifted with certain healing. It's not just like, now I'm not saying that you can't move and lean into different ones and develop it. But what I have noticed here that we have from last Saturday. Now, I had a stress fracture in my foot. It was totally, it was 80% healed on Saturday from huge swollen foot. I could not wear any shoe other than I had to go through my whole closet trying to find a shoe that didn't touch the top of my foot because any, the lightest feather touch on the top of it was terribly painful. And so, I had to wrap my foot and put on a pair of shoes that would stretch enough that I could wear it because of the swelling. I might can attest to this. My foot was huge on the one that was, had a stress fracture. And so they don't just go away, right? You have to wear a boot because I looked it up. You have to wear a boot and stay off of it for weeks and weeks. It just doesn't go away. So I got prayed for on Saturday, and, by the, and I felt hot, like icy hot on my foot. And I could tell the, the swelling went away immediately. And by the end of the day, I would say I was 80% healed. Now, I knew I was going to Mexico, so I wasn't going to get to rest my foot. And so I, um, I, by Monday, I told Mike I'm 95%. I could still feel a little bit of soreness on the top. But that wouldn't hinder me from wearing any shoes. And by Tuesday, it's completely gone. Now, also, Trevor had a knee healed that same morning. Oh, it's going away. Look. That's, um, that's melanoma on her face. See? Okay, well, that's good. That's, a, that's good. Now, that was, there was a healing anointing there. Now, Tre- then Lance, on our trip, he sprained his ankle badly on falling off of a little ledge playing we were playing sports with the kids I mean he heard it pop it was it was it was bad so he had to go ice it he said he went in his room that night he was limping went and sat down he said he began to pray and he said he felt warmth all over his foot no bruising he was walking everything was totally restored Now, I say that to say this. I told Mike, I said, it looks like we've got an orthopedic healing working. See, every single one of them are orthopedic. 
So I tell you that this, this is what reminded me of this. Now, we've got a guy who fell out of a deer stand. What kind of miracle does he need? Now, it's up to you what you receive. And so that's, yes. Right? You just sat in the environment. Look. See? That's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. There is. So what we do then, we recognize it, we give credence to it, and what we do is we lean into it because we understand that the, and see, here's how healing works. The gifts of healing work. When you steward one well, you get more. And so that's what we're doing. So I'm bringing it to our awareness so that we are stewards of what we are operating in. So we pray for Joshua this morning that he would move and we just send that, that orthopedic miracle, right? So we, we know that we can move in that because God has given us grace for that and we release our faith for it. Now, I have a, a, an unspoken request in my family, not because it's, you know, so private or terrible. I just didn't get, uh, I just didn't get uh, approval to share. But I, I ask that you would help me remember that this morning. Um, anybody else quickly as we go? Yes. Who is it? Your who children? Grandchildren. Let's remember these grandchildren. Okay. Okay. Praise God. We thank, we thank the Lord for Bibles and burgers. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. We know, God, that you are calling us, Lord God, to higher heights and deeper depths, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would touch Joshua right now. You see him where he's at, Lord, and I know, Father, that you are a healer, Lord God. You are a mighty, mighty healer, Lord God, and we thank you, Father, that you would touch every bone, every break, Lord God. We speak the word and ask, God, that it would be healed totally, Lord God, soreness gone. Lord God, a speedy recovery, Lord God. God, a miraculous recovery, Lord God, and restoration to his whole body with no outstanding side effects. We thank you, God. Open our ears to hear. God, open my mouth to, to God, give forth your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. I'm excited to give you this lesson today. We still are in Revelation 11, but I'm not going to go there because I don't want to get stuck there, if you know what I mean. If you've been here, you know I get stuck places. So, the work, this is titled today, The Work of His Witnesses. As we've been talking in Revelation 11, we saw the two witnesses. They're called the two candlesticks. And so they are the end-time prophetic voice. Now, they are specifically the tribulation prophetic voice. How many of you can tell me how long the tribulation is? Now, you're like, what, Andrew? This is terrible. I don't... Now, it's the last week of Daniel is seven years, but the great tribulation is called the last three and a half years or the last 42 months. Now, see, the Bible, that's just what the Bible teaches because if you go looking, search high and low, backwards and forwards, as much as you can, you will never find a seven-year great tribulation. You will only find a three-and-a-half-year great tribulation. Now, where's the seven years come from? It's Daniel's last week, the, 49, the 70th week of Daniel. And so that 70th week of Daniel, a week is how many days? So, and it says in the middle of the week begins the great tribulation. The middle of the week is three and a half years. That's what Jesus calls the great tribulation. And then great tribulation will be on the earth. And we see over and over again when you read the book of Revelation, how long is the great, what is it, what's the repetitive words? 42 months, 1260 days, 42 months, 1260 days. How long was Jesus' ministry on the earth? Just a fun fact. Three and a half years, oddly enough. The Bible is not, it's not random. If you're willing to dig in, it will, it will keep, it'll yield on surface level. It'll yield on the second level, third level. It'll, it'll yield all the way down to the deepest depths that you can imagine, all the way down to its very structure. The structure. You're like, what do you mean by structure? I mean, if you look at the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Genesis, Exodus Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those books, 
right in the, the structure of those five books, puts one in the middle. Leviticus is in the middle. Genesis and Exodus, if you count, now it's backwards to forwards, but if you count 49 letters in Genesis and um, Exodus, the 49th letter in both books, if you count 49, 49, 49, 49, it spells T-O-R-A-H. T-O-R, both of them. T-O-R-A-H. T-O-R-A-H. That's Torah. Then you get to Leviticus and it, it drops off. You're like, what? But you go the other side. And you go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, you start and you go T. You count 49. T-O-R-A-H. does it backwards. T-O-R-A-H. So it creates a structure that comes to a point. And what's in the middle of the point? Leviticus 16, the Day of Atonement. The center of the law is the Day of Atonement. When Christ sacrificed, when he said it is finished. So see, that's the structure. But those structures are not even in the macro. That's a macro structure. It's also in the micro structure. So when I tell you that the word of God is living and active. I'm not just quoting a scripture just because and trying to rehearse things. I'm telling you, you as fact. So anything you read, by all means, please read the word of God because it's not just another book that hangs out in your library. It's not a good luck charm that you carry around with you. It is something that is supposed to be taken into you because it has the power, as Hebrews 4 and 12 says, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. How many know you got one? Soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So if you're neglecting anything in your life, it should not be the word of God. If you don't have time for the word, then stop eating. You always have time for that. Because Jesus said the words, I speak to you. They are truth and they are life. And if any man doesn't eat my flesh and drink my blood, he's not worthy of me. He said that to be shocking. He said that to be controversial because he had a huge crowd following him that was only following him for bread, natural bread. And it's illegal to follow the Lord for the loaves and the fish. So you're going to have to actually come to the place in your life to where you lay down your life. And you're not a follower of the Lord for the loaves and the fish. So the Lord brought about a saying that was so hard for them they couldn't bear it. And they left. And he was left with his 12. And then he turned to them and said, how about you? You want to go too? And they said, who else, Lord, has the words of life? When you're convinced that this is an extraterrestrial book, in other words, it didn't come. It came off planet. Then you will begin to engage with the word of God like it's something special instead of like it's something optional or at best obligatory. This will become your desire. You will be like the Psalms one man. How blessed is a man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scornful, but his delight... His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. His delight. I wonder, I wonder how many of you can say the word of God is your delight. I know what you delight in because it's where you go for source of strength and hope and security. It's where you, it's what you, when you'll cut out everything, you won't cut that out. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, which give forth its fruit in every season. His leaf does not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, for they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. The ungodly will not be able to stand in the congregation of the righteous for they will be like the chaff he will blow them away see that's the word of God and now we go to Luke 18 1 through 8 the work of his witnesses his witnesses need to know the word are you not a witness I get aggravated have to be still 
She idles a little high. That's all right. Y'all can hear me, right? Right here? It's got to be recorded. Okay. Luke 18, 1 through 8. Mike taught on this on a Wednesday night here a few weeks ago, and it just got stuck in my crawl. So I just kept studying and studying and studying and studying. You know what that's? That's what it means to meditate. Meditate is, um, it's the same word. It means ruminate. See, meditate in the, in the Christian sense is not, to, is not to empty your mind like an Eastern sense. It's to fill your mind with the Word of God. To, rum, to ruminate or to meditate biblically, it means literally, in the Hebrew word, it means to mutter. Where you say, you put a scripture in your body, in your mind. And then you just meditate on it. This is how this has been. You mutter. You know, and all, and I was just like, will I find faith on earth? When I, my mind's not doing anything, I'm like, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So I meditate. That's how I meditated on it. And then I read it, and I looked into the Greek, because it's New Testament, so it's in Greek. And I studied the words, and I, I dug deeper to see what I could find. And this scripture, it has been one that has perplexed me for years, but then I found in it an answer to questions that I had for the, all of my life, all of my Christian life. And within here, I found the answer to the question that what is the purpose of every single person in this room? Without exception. But we're going, to, we're going to delve into this and see what this means for you. Because when he comes, this is what he's going to, when, if he's looking for faith on the earth when he comes, how many believe we're living in the last days? But it doesn't matter, your days are your last days. Because these are the only days you have. And so you can't put off, what you're doing today, friend, is what you'll be doing tomorrow. And what your 10-year your plan is attached firmly to this day. Procrastination is a lie of the enemy. And behavior that doesn't line up, if your belief, what you say you believe, doesn't line up with your behavior, you are a liar. And it's time for you to look into the Word of God and to see the lie that you're living in because I tell you the truth. This is how I live my life. And this is how I would like for you to live your life. And I've told you before, this is my one shot. Some of you will come this one time and won't come back. So I will hit it hard and heavy. Because I have one shot to break all the chaff off of the wheat. And I won't neglect it. Because I'm not here trying to make friends. I'm trying to make disciples. And those are different. I don't want fans. I don't want followers. I'm not looking for likes, thumbs up, or subscriptions. I'm looking to make disciples of Christ. And the core root word of discipleship is discipline. If you have none, you are not a disciple. So here we go. Luke 18, 1 through 8. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent, opponent, adversary. For a while he was unwilling. But afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. What did the unrighteous judge say? By continually coming, she will wear me out. Now, will God not bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? What men are... What should men always do? Ought. I looked up that word in the Strong's. It means day. It's day. D-E-I. It means properly what must happen. What is absolutely necessary. You're like, you're not telling me anything. It's not just a good idea. It's not just a last resort. It is absolutely necessary that the church be about prayer. And I'm telling you right now, prayer is not something to be taught. We can teach it, but the essence of prayer is praying. 
This church has a prayer culture. How many of you know that? When is the scheduled time of the prayer culture in this church? What? Saturday morning at 8.30. That's if you want to discover what the prayer culture of this church is, come Saturday morning at 8.30. Don't come to me telling me you want to teach me about prayer if I haven't seen you at prayer meeting. I will ask you to come to prayer meeting. If God's given you revelation about prayer, I want you to be revealed at prayer meeting. Is that okay? Because it means nothing to me for you to know something that you do not demonstrate. Nor does it mean anything to me that you're unwilling to connect to the body in the way that they pray. Because I don't see anybody's revelation there, satellite revelations out here doing any good. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together with those of like faith. Even more as you see that day approaching. So I'm not interested in people telling me all they know. I know plenty too and would like to tell you all I know. But what I am interested in is seeing you do what you know. And then you won't have to tell me. And when you do tell me, I will go, yes, please talk. Because I see something demonstrable. Not just some auditory function of your brain. Make sense? Men ought always. Now you're like, Andrea, that's not talking about a Saturday morning prayer meeting. No, it's not. But this body prays at 830 on Saturday mornings. Now, I know not everybody can make it. Understand. I understand. I'm not trying to be hard. But what I am telling you is that it is available and it's, it is an option for you. But it is a place of power. It is a place where we get things done. And if you want to explore prayer, please come. You will have an, uh, an understanding of how we enter into spirit-led, word-driven, declarative, governing prayer. We convene a church, an ecclesia, a governing body on earth. And where any two, three are gathered together in his name, a governing body is formed. That's what that means. A governing body is formed. So here we are. They ought always. It behooves us. It literally, it must happen. That's the, that's the commandment. Jesus is teaching on prayer. He said it must happen. Will I find faith? Faith, the essence of faith, the function of faith is prayer. If he's looking for faith on earth, and how does he express that what he's looking for he will see? The action of humanity on earth. What will be that action of faith on earth? Prayer. That's what it said. That's the whole point of his parable is to teach that faith is expressed in? Absolutely. Always. That's what it means by always. Doesn't mean pray once and give up. It means understand the priority. How many of you, if you ate a meal that was no good, never ate again? How many of you have ever eaten a meal that was terrible? Raise your hand. You know you have, even you who won't raise your hand. You've eaten something, you went, this is terrible. How many of you had one bad experience with a meal, never ate again? I know you did, I see you all. You're all here. And if you never ate again, you would not be here. You would be somewhere else. Men ought always to pray. Now, who in this situation, this widow, she is the least in society, the very least, the weakest in all of the society, right? The weakest. There's no one weaker than a widow or an orphan. That's why Jesus chose her to frame the power of prayer by using the weakest person to change the most powerful. Who's the most powerful person in the society? The judge. So it's the weakest versus the strongest. And what changes, what gives the advantage to the weakest? It's not persistence. It's got to say more than that. It's persistent prayer. Now, what is prayer? I won't brutalize you with the Greek too bad. It's prosokomei. Prosokomei. Prayer. Anywhere you see the Greek, the Greek suffix, P-R-O-S, pros, 
P-R-O-S. It means face, face to face. So when we see it, what's really exciting, we see it in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was pros. Face to face. Face to face. See, that's how, what they we're looking at there is that's a portrait. We're beginning to see a portrait come into focus of the Trinity. Face to face. Face to face. Face to face. And see, this, this word prayer, if you look it up in the Greek, it means to exchange. I think I have it here. Nope, I didn't put it. It means to exchange wishes. Wishes. Not like birthday cake. It means to have my heart receive God's heart by being face to face. What we're supposed to get here is, it's an expression of mouth to mouth resuscitation. It's breathing out. Like, say if you have a person here, God forbid, they fall out and they're not breathing. And one of us who skilled in it, Andy probably, would be the first out here. He's skilled in CPR, right? So he would begin to administer mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. You wouldn't? What? It, what you would... Right, but, okay, well, God's not like him. So Andy is not... I will administer mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Somebody here will put their mouth on somebody else's. But, but we, you know, pull the... We'd, I would tilt the head back. To free the airway. We know, you know, we've all done it, right? And then pinch the nose, right? And then put your mouth on their mouth, open up their airway, and begin to fill their inactive lungs with my breath. Until, until maybe, then all of a sudden they go, (gasps) and that happens. He's trying to kill my parable here. But it's not working. So what we, what we see here is, is that the breath of God, the breath of my breath enters their, I'm not God, but my, that situation, my breath enters their body. Whose breath are they breathing? They're breathing. Is it my breath or is it their breath? Is it my breath or is it their breath? My breath got it started. So then they would get up and go, I owe you my And so, see, that's what prayer is. It's God. You come before him, and he fills your lungs with his breath, and you begin to take in his life and breathe out his life. That's what prayer is because you're face-to-face. And we see that in the prophet. We see that in Elijah and Elisha. They laid on the dead child mouth-to-mouth, eyes-to-eyes, nose-to-nose, face-to-face, hands-to-hands. And they breathed in their mouth, and they... It shows this. You want, why are they sneezing? It shows that they are taking in deep. You have to take in a deep breath before you sneeze. And life entered them. And so prayer is taking it, bringing yourself face to face with God. And not only study this, study this in the Strongs. Look up this word prayer. It doesn't just mean to take in, exchange wishes face to face. To exchange will face to face. It means, it has in it, carries the meaning, the close association with pistis, which is faith. So not only does God give you his life, he gives you the power to carry out, to please him on earth. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For they that come to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when we're talking about prayer, this woman, he's teaching us how we should pray, that we ought, we have to, it's a necessity, because how many of you, prayer is to your Christian walk as breath is to your natural walk. If you ought to breathe, you ought to pray the word of God. If you ought to eat, you ought to eat. 
So see, that's, that's, the, that's the capacity that we're looking at. We're developing not just the natural man. Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. You're more than just a natural body. You're more than just flesh and bones. You're more than cells and, and tissue and all the connective things. You're more than all of these things and organs put together. You are spirit. And your spirit, how you keep your spirit is an impact of how you keep your inner man, your mind, will, and your emotions, and how you keep your flesh, your body. A person who cannot cultivate their spirit man will have thoughts that run amok. They will have emotional difficulties. They will have mental difficulties. They will have all kinds of trauma, depression, anxiety, and it will manifest in their natural bodies. That is all a result of people who have not cultivated their spirit man. I, beloved, I wish above all things that they would be in health and prosper, even as our soul prosper. So we know that our soul prosperity, mind, will, and emotions, is attached to our bodily prosperity. But see, we are all have a spirit. This, I'm getting, we're going to come to this, and we're gonna, I'm going to teach y'all how to cultivate your spirit man. I am. And when you learn how to cultivate your spirit man, you'll cultivate your emotional man. You'll cultivate your thought life. You'll cultivate. It'll come under the authority of the governance of God. You'll cultivate your mouth. You'll cultivate your appetites. It shouldn't take as long as it has in the body of Christ. Cultivation means keeping your garden daily. It means go, It means sowing soil. It means sometimes you have to break up new ground. You know, there are some areas in your life that have never been broke up. There are some places in your life that you've never, there's areas of fear. I get so tired of hearing people govern their life by fear. It's like, I want to look at them and shake them and go, are oh, you a Christian? You're afraid to do this, that, or the other? Well, then by all means, serve fear because that's exactly what the Lord wants you to do. Please tattoo the devil right on your forehead. You know what I mean? You obey fear. I don't do that because I'm afraid. I don't go on a mission trip because I'm afraid. Then you should go on a mission trip for sure, for sure. Challenge that fear. You gonna live? Are you gonna be on the devil's short leash all of your life? I mean, are you his pet? The best way to break fear in your life is to do what you're afraid to do. You're like, I can't do what I'm afraid to do. That's the very point. Fear is to go away so I can do what I'm afraid to do. No, it's not. It gives you grace. Grace makes you do hard things. See, faith renders grace to you. You respond to him in faith. He responds to you in grace and ability to do hard things. Well, I, I, I don't, I, but you still have to do it, friend. You might do it knees shaking, heart pounding, insecurity, not knowing. But you can do it. I watched a team go to Mexico, and they didn't know. We took them in some places, y'all. We took them to her house and we were, a woman got saved and she got delivered and she instantly in this a town, she wanted us worth, I mean, you know, grace will give you the ability to use a toilet with it does not have the capacity to flush and to make do without wiping or washing your hands. TMI? You can shake my hand. <laughs> That's what, you know, grace will give you the ability to do hard things. And then, you know, when the woman comes to us and she said, come to my house, come to my house, come to my house. My husband is a death worshiper. He has two idols in our house that are set up to death. Would you come and curse these idols? Absolutely. I mean, we anointed a rag and I said, where does he sleep at? 
We anointed it. We poured oil on it. We put it under his mattress. He's sleeping. I mean, he's coming out. We've called him out of the death cult, and he's going to be a part of the life cult. And he's going to be a preacher in the life cult. Because obviously, he's a person who understands spiritual things. He's just playing on the wrong team. And many of us can understand that he's playing on the wrong team. But yet, when we let fear guide and guard our life, and we do everything the voice of fear says, we are also playing on the wrong team. If you would like us this morning to come to your house and curse fear, we would love to. It's called an altar call. It probably is, Ray, but I've got to go. Okay, opponent, adversary. An accuser is an adversary bringing formal charges as they are binding to an exact penalty. Satan, how many know what Satan is called? The very word Satan or Satan. You know what it means? What is Satan? Adversary. Satan, Satan. Satan, Seraph. Satan, Seraphim. Serpent. Seraphims are serpents. Yeah, they're created beings by God. But we can't, that's what the Hebrew translate. What, did, what, was, what was Satan before he became? He was a serpent. A seraphim. He was. And so then, when he brought temptation to Adam and Eve and they chose it and he fell, then we, see, we, we then populate the word seraph, seraphim, or serpent. See, we... It would create a dual standard in our mind, so we have to have a secondary category. We have seraphim. We understand they're, you know, angels are just messengers. They either have white hats or black hats. Right? They're either good. They're either God's angels now. They're all God's angels because he's the one who created them all, but they're playing for the wrong team now, and they're subject to judgment. And they've already been condemned, and they know it. The problem is you don't know it, and they're trying to exploit your ignorance, and they're doing a great job, I might say. I know they're doing a great job because I see the condition of the world today. As he's got people on on short leashes of fear, he's got people living by one antidepressant to the other. They can't get up in the morning without a pill. They can't go to bed at night without a pill. You say, Andrew, this is not fair. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. You know very well that every drug you take requires, causes a side effect that requires another drug. Am I lying? Am I lying? Come on, you know I'm telling the truth. I'm not saying for you to stop taking your drugs. I'm just saying if you'll go wait in the line at the, at the doctor's office for eons ad nauseum and you won't come to an altar call, your priorities are screwed up. Is this fair? I mean, I'm just saying. Like I said, I may only get you one time. So, he's an adversary. He's the adversary. He's the prosecuting attorney here. He's the adversary. He brings charges. He brings suit. He brings brings accusation against believers. That's what he does. He's roaming about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, may devour. Tim, I am Satan. May I have permission to devour you? I hear you saying that, but I think you might be a liar. So I'm going to exploit every place in your life. I'm going to come into every place in your flesh, every place you have no control over, and I'm going to exploit that. Because I'm going to use you in the places that bring you comfort. And you'll have strongholds in your life. And I will use those. And I will convince you it's fine. May I? May I? See? See what I'm saying? I'm not picking on you. I'm saying that's what it does. We have that mindset. But then we have things. She's picking on me. He's tough. See, no man has those kind of tattoos and not tough. That had to hurt. I'm just saying. I know we can take it. So... That's what, that's what he does. May I? May I? And he shows up as an angel of light. He shows up as an angel of revelation. They don't understand you. They, they're just a hypocrite themselves. 
They don't walk where you walk. They don't know what you, they don't have compassion. See, he's bringing his light. Light is revelation. He's importing to your thinking his revelation, his light. He shows up and his light will always agree with a behavior that you don't want to get rid of. And then he's got you hook, line, and sinker. So here's what I'm saying. He's always bringing you from the purpose of the witness, from the purpose of God. But Jesus said he doesn't want you to understand. He's always offsetting the perfect sacrifice of Christ by saying it is finished. He's always bringing the messaging that what Christ did wasn't enough. Now, he won't use those words because that would, not, that would be too straightforward. He's deceptive. He says, well, it's just you have to use this until you get that. And everybody understands nobody's perfect. We're, you're only human. So here's what we, opponent, so this opponent, he was continually, she was continually coming to the court of justice, now get the picture, she was continually coming to the seat of justice, asking for what? Justice against her adversary. But what was she getting every time she came to the court of justice to come against, to help her in her adversary. She was getting injustice. She kept coming, and this is the work of faith, y'all. Here we come. She kept coming to the court of justice, asking for justice against her adversary, and she was getting denied. But she kept coming and she kept coming because she knew that that court could give her justice. Even though there was an unjust judge presiding over justice, turning justice into injustice, she knew her rights under the law and kept coming to the court for justice and knocking on the door of justice saying, it's mine, baby. It's mine. I said it's mine. It's, it's finished, right? It's mine. It's mine. And he kept giving her injustice, and she said, see you tomorrow. Because I know my rights. So she came and she came to overcome her adversary. And then she heard, this is what he said. Jesus said that, listen. Here's the key. If Jesus tells you to listen to a specific part of a story, you better listen. Listen to what the unjust judge says. He's got, come on, guys, students, wake up. Check your Greek. So I did. Continually coming is the word in Greek, telos. Telos. Easy word. It means to bring to an end. Think of a pirate's telescope. Click, click. Click, click. Click, click. Click, click. When you fully bring it to its end, it's telos. It's a telescope. Right? That's where we get the word. To bring it to its end. Now, what did the judge say? He literally said that I will have to do this because she's bringing me, her continual coming is bringing me to my telos end. Her demonstration of prayer-filled faith is bringing my injustice to an end. She's bringing, and then he goes on, wear me out. He said her continual coming will wear me out. That is the word hypopasio. Hypo means under. Y'all are going to like this. I, I'm just so glad God made me the way he made me. And this is why. I found justification. I, I found it. Hypopasio. Some of you are going to like this too. Hypo means under. And then opasio means the eye. 
It literally means, literally means properly to strike under the eye. It means to give a black eye. It means she's kind of, her prayer, her prayer, her prayer, her unceasing prayer because she knows how faith operates and she knows who she is on the planet earth. She keeps taking it to the court of justice where the unjust judge sits and she brings his injustice to an end and she gives him a black eye. She marks injustice into the place of submission. Because if I give anybody a black eye, you walk around, and I know we all say, you should see the other guy, but everybody knows that you took a hit. And so what we do, we begin to mark injustice with the black eye of justice. How many have heard, let's say, a preacher say, let's give the devil a black eye. We go, woohoo, and then we skulk back, skulk back into our caves of faith and fear. We call it faith, into our fear. We prayed once, it didn't happen, got mad at God and quit church. You know what I'm saying? So he will wear me out. He will bring about justice for them quickly, God says. Now, you said, I don't understand this. We have an unjust judge. We have God who's a just judge, right? This is a portrait of faith. Who's a faith body? The church is called a faith body. So our work is his body on earth. We are to, by faith... Listen, turn seats of injustice into justice by our petitions to the just one. Now, some of you don't understand that, so I'm going to read this to you. The work of his witnesses is to bring an end to injustice. This is the work of faith that he is looking for on earth, expressed by the prayer, expressed by prayer to the court of justice, the just judge being God. We, in prayer, go to the court of justice, but we live on earth. How many of you live on earth? Then you, on earth, you've gone to the court of justice through prayer. You've exchanged your wishes for his wishes. You've got his breath in your lungs, and now you're expelling his breath from your mouth. And you are proclaiming a justice that was finished at the cross. And you're taking the cross, the justice of the cross, to every unjust situation. So when we see someone who's crippled, we say, get up in the name of Jesus. It doesn't happen, and we go, huh? It's unjust. It's unjust. I'm trying to make you caped crusaders. Here we go. Let's listen to this. Where we pray, we proshokume maya, in exchange, our wishes for his, his will for mine. With the exchange comes the faith to accomplish this, which is also, this will is also my will because of the exchange in prayer. We've already done it. Think CPR. His breath life becomes my life or my breath. A part of this is parousia, bold speech. Bold speech. Not whiny, complainy speech. Bold speech. Speech that declares. Speech that defends. Speech that says what God says without fear or intimidation. That's what Paul said. He said, if you're going to pray for me, you know what, he, you know what his prayer was? He didn't pray. God, pray, pray that they don't beat me up anymore. Pray that, pray that I don't have to make tents anymore. Pray that people quit being mean to me. You know what he prayed for? Pray, if you pray for me, he said, pray that I may speak parousia. Pray that I may speak boldly. So what he was saying is, let me pray that the Holy Spirit will empower me to go to every court of justice that's rendering injustice, and I demand justice. How long will you do it? Till I wear it out and give it a black eye. That's what it means. This is, you're his agent on earth. If you don't do it, then you're not going to be pleasing to him. When I come, will I find faith 
on earth? Will I find anybody bringing? This is the whole point of this parable. It's not how to get your prayers answered in a speedy fashion and make all of your dreams come true. This is how do I function as an ambassador for Christ on earth? Okay, a part of this is parousia. Y'all got to start speaking. If you don't know how to speak, then ask the Holy Spirit. He'll give you stuff that you don't even know you know. And he said that. Don't even think about what you'll speak. Because in that day, you'll, they'll deliver you up before rulers. And he said, I'll fill your mouth. That's parousia. Well, I've never had that happen because you've never tried anything hard. I mean, he's not going to give you bold speech for your cat. Some cats need it, though. When you know God's will and are persuaded of it, that's called faith, then you have no trouble standing up against the adversary. That's what most of us are not persuaded of God's will. Persuasion of God's will is faith. That's the core definition of faith, persuasion of God's will. I don't know if it's God's will to heal me. Then you don't know God, friend. You don't know God. Well, why am I not healed? Well, some of it could be your own stupidity. No, you know what I mean? Sometimes we're asking for healing and we don't need a miracle, we need management. In a conjunction to you asking for a physical healing, ask him for the wisdom to actually care for your own body. Because he could give you a miracle and you just screw it up again just like that. Because of what got you into the pit you're in is what's going to keep getting you into the pit you're in until you change the behavior to keep going to the pit. Wisdom is as much of a miracle from God as is growing a new limb. If you've got your... Hand cut off because of how you saw, Tim, sorry, how you saw. <laughs> you know, just because how you handle a bandsaw, you know what I mean? And it grow, he grows you a new arm and you go back handling that saw the same. You have no respect for the blade or the saw. I bet you have respect for a saw now, don't you? He's like, he, has his, he has his finger cut off. Hold it up for him, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> He's number Point five. <laughs> you got the other one, right? <laughs> one and a half. <laughs> so we understand. So we know we have to have management. So praying, so praying for, I pray for that when I have something wrong in my body. My knee gave me trouble forever, forever, forever. I ask the Lord for wisdom. I ask him for healing. I ask him for wisdom in my diet. I ask him, I ask him you know what? I do know that my, my knee feels better when I weigh less. I tell Mike all the time, he said, my back hurts. I have a back problem. I say, you don't have a back problem. You have a front problem. Is that not true? God healed him of his back problem. His front problem would cause a back problem just like that. You got to get rid of it. God will heal your back problem, but you're going to have to work on getting rid of your front problem. And your front problem is attached to your elbow problem. How many of you want to be married to me? <laughs> hey, this is, this is what we have to do, God. This is real. This is how it really works. And this will help you if you'll listen and not get offended. Okay. Render the law of Christ. That's what we're supposed to be doing, is rendering the law of Christ. Now, what is the law of Christ? If you... I'm like, dear God, it's worse than I thought. (laughs) What is the law of Christ? Go ahead, Andy. Love the Lord. He said, Jesus said, behold, I give you a new law. I bet all the pins went out, don't you? We only had the ten perfect ones. Now we got, what is that? What? It's like all of a sudden they're like, you know, and what? New law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. Got it. That's the, that's the old law. Mm-hmm. And here's a new one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh. So, so you're telling me. So you're, wait, 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 wait. Let's listen to this. We're rendering, the, we're, bringing it, we're bringing justice to injustice. We're turning, we're bringing an end to injustice. Are y'all listening to me? So we're rendering the law of Christ, not just for ourselves, but for our fellow men. For our neighbors as ourself. If it's unjust, and I would hate it if, see, I find a lot of people who are, man, they get their feathers in a ruffle over when injustice comes to their house. Right? 
I said, you cut somebody off in traffic. Yeah, I mean, how many, I know y'all don't do this, so we're just going to talk about other people out there. You know, somebody cuts somebody off in traffic, and then that person honks, you know, and gives the middle finger wave, and, you know, and you know how it is. I know y'all don't do that, but you've seen other people do it. Because when someone cuts you off, they rendered injustice to you, right? And so you, you want justice, so you just blew off, and you just made yourself look like a total B-U-T-T, right? You know you did, because how cute was that? How cute were you? It wasn't at all, was it? And so, but then what's so funny about it is that you act like you've never cut anyone off. Like you've never done that yourself. And so you don't love your neighbor as yourself. So when, when you accident, and how many of you, when you cut someone off, it's generally an accident, right? You just don't see them. It's an accident, and they honk at you, and they get all mad, and, you know, and then it kind of creates this whole turmoil between the two of you. But in the beginning, you just really didn't mean to do it because you're not trying to kill anybody else or yourself, right? But then you get all mad about it. So when they cut you off, but when somebody else cuts you off, instead of saying... I, too, have cut other people off. And I'm going to do unto them as I would have wished that others would do to me. See, in that small little context, all you're doing. See, if you had the life of God in you, it would be easy. Where did I get the life of God? Prayer. Men are always to pray and not faint. Because when he comes, will he find faith on earth? Faith are those who are taking in the life of God taking the places of justice where, that are being dealt out injustice. Because seeing that little concept there, when you give railing for rakely, they cut you off, you get mad, the whole thing, you have just reinforced injustice. When you had a court of justice there, but instead of going to the court of justice and turning justice to getting justice from injustice, you just compounded injustice. And you've also, through your children, you've taught them how to respond and take justice, take it in an unjust situation, you've taught them how to continually carry on injustice. But see, faith, the faith act is when they cut you off instead of going through the whole thing going, oh, sorry, it's okay, it's no problem. Have a good day, I understand. Or not doing anything, just backing off and keeping your cool and shutting your mouth. See, in that one little, see, you thought this was big things. See, the Lord, if you'll be faithful in little things, he'll make you ruler over much. If you can actually do this in the small places, you can do it in the big places. And in order to do so, you must first have the Holy Spirit bring the Father's heart of justice to every circumstance of injustice. Sin is paid in full. Go and cancel debts everywhere. That's what we're doing. We're canceling debts. We went to Mexico to cancel debts. Not with my money. He gave me, bankrolled me. He bankrolled me and gave me a receipt book. That's what it means. Whose sins you remit, they are remitted. And whose sins you retain, they are retained. He he bankrolled me and gave me a receipt book. And he told me to go to all the world and and write out receipts. Write out receipts. Paid in full. There you go. And they're going, paid in full, but I've got this hurt in my body. I've got sugar diabetes. I've got this. I've got paid in full means paid in full. I demand that that court of injustice be come to an end and be turned to justice. Injustice, turn to justice. Because your body is important as my body. Take care. Sin is paid in full. Go and cancel debts everywhere. Take care of all the side effects of sin. Sickness, disease, brokenheartedness, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, confusion. Bring justice. Bring injustice to its telos, to its end. Wear it out. Give it a black eye. Will he find just ones? Will he find just ones? Man created in his image, carrying out justice on earth? Will he? Don't leave this earth without knowing what he is looking to find. That's what he's looking to find. Not you having all your dreams come true. Not you trying to get a million dollars and get the the, the winning numbers for the lottery. Because you'll do good if you just had enough money to do it. If you're not doing good with the little money you have, you will never do good with the big money you have. Go after 
every area of injustice in your own life and anywhere you see injustice. Bring, it's the work of faith, guys. That's the work of faith, to bring injustice to its end. Because the court of justice is wanting to render just verdicts, and he already has in saying it is finished. We're done. Most of our fears are unjust. They appear, they appear real to us. Yeah.